You're listening to Booze, Brews, and Booze with Tosh and Steph. This is a warning. This episode is disgusting. It contains themes and subjects that may be inappropriate for those under the age of 16. It may be triggering for others, so listener discretion is advised. But, thank you for listening. It's Thirsty Thursdays, bitches. It's ladies' night. And I feel alright. That's what it's from. God damn it! Saturday Night Fever. No, Wedding Singer. Oh, Wedding Singer. I fucking love that movie so much. Tasha. What is up, Steph? Here we are um, again. <laughs> yes, we are here again. It is not Friday, though. We both it, have to work tomorrow. It, that's very true, but we're still gonna get fucked up. <laughs> yeah, and it is my fault that we are not recording on a Friday. You, oh. you know, it's it's funny, though, because all day yesterday, I thought it was Thursday, and then all day today, I thought it was Friday. So it actually kind of works out <laughs> in my brain that a little sucks, bit. That sucks, A little bit. Like, I, I literally thought it was Thursday yesterday all day to the point where I took my vitamins twice because uh. I, I took them in the morning and I took the Wednesday ones. And then at night, I looked at my vitamin thing and I was like, I forgot to take my vitamins today and took my Thursday ones. whoops oh well i'm extra vitamined you had some expensive pee this morning (laughs) it was pretty yellow i'll say that much well i mean that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean anything that that could be anything (laughs) well today is a thursday uh steph is going camping with her family this weekend yep so we couldn't record tomorrow for mother's day we couldn't record tomorrow, and we figured recording on Monday or Tuesday wouldn't give us enough time to edit. So, it's a Thursday pod today. Yes, yeah, it's been a long week anyway. It kind of feels like it should be next Thursday anyway, so. Mm-hmm. It really has been a long week. <laughs> yeah. But you're going to be having fun this weekend, and I'm going to be sitting here all by my lonesome, because Billy's going to Omaha. For a diaper keg of all things, and you're going camping, and I'm just here with my cats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like, we're just gonna relax. We're gonna try and like just chill mm-hmm. this weekend because Lucas has been working a lot of side jobs lately. Yeah. And I myself have been going out of my comfort zone and like hanging out with like more people than I usually do. And so, like, I myself am very exhausted. exhausted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Being social does that to you, especially and if you're to us. Men- 
Yeah, not to mention we both got our second doses of the COVID shot last weekend. Oh, that was brutal. I have never been so tired in my life. Yeah, I was like, I had a fever. I'm not even kidding you that lasted four hours. See, I never got a fever. I just like, and I was fine. I was fine that night. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. let's go, you know. But I, yeah. I did not allow myself to drink because I was like, I don't want to get, you know, these flu symptoms that everyone's talking about, you know. But then I literally went to bed at one o'clock in the morning on Friday, did not wake up until one in the afternoon on Saturday, got up, I ate two bowls of cereal, and then I passed out on the couch for like an hour. And I was like, well, I guess I'm still tired. So I went back to bed and I slept for another six hours. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what I did Friday night. <laughs> but I don't in, remember. You know what? In another week, we'll be fully vaccinated. So, yep. Because it takes but two weeks to kick in or whatever. It also doesn't mean that you're 100% bulletproof either. Correct. So, Still take your precautions because I will be. Wear your fucking mask. Yeah, even though our... <laughs> What's that look for? I'm going to wear my mask. I didn't mean you. I meant uh, all, everyone else like, out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it's so like... Yeah, our mask mandate comes up in a couple weeks now. Really? And Yeah, and our mayor said, oh, I wish you would have extended it. But I bet you if they would have extended it, she would have said, I wish you would have thought more about it. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Billy said something about the city opening up sometime soon, like within this month, I think he said. I I don't believe that includes masks, maybe. Maybe he said that it's up to the, the place that you're going in. The establishment. That, yeah. That's going to be the case any, anywhere. I think, yeah. I think there's really going to be some places that maybe kind of embrace that still after this is all. Well, I mean, I know if I owned a business, I, I would make it a requirement because you are literally dealing with hundreds of people a day. You don't know where their hands have been. You don't know where their mouths have been, you know? So if they're breathing on you with their maskless faces, they could mm-hmm. get they could get my employees sick. And exactly. Then, then I'm fucked. So yep. wear your goddamn masks. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so, anywho, uh, what are you drinking? I... I am drinking Stella Rosa wine, which mm. is a low alcohol sweet wine. Low alcohol? Oh, yeah. It's like a 5%. That? <laughs> it's delicious. It doesn't have that, like, kick in the butt that mm. regular wine gives you. That so I don't... thing in the back of your cheeks? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that jaw tingle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't get that. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a little bubbly. Mm. It's almost like it's they have different flavors. They have like a blueberry one. Right now I'm drinking the the Stella Bianca, which I have no idea what it is, but it's grape. Hmm. White. Maybe white grape. Uh, I like white grape. So that sounds delicious. I'm and then I brought another bottle down too, but <laughs> I'll let you know when I open it. Right. It's been a long day. <laughs> it has been a long day. Uh I'm boring. What are you drinking? Fuck, and I'm just drinking rum and diet. And the Tasha Royale. The Tasha Royale. But you know what? I'm, I'm making a point in my brain to switch it up for next time. I'm going to hit up the liquor store and I'm going to get some cool stuff to keep mm-hmm. in my house <laughs> so I can drink things other than rum. Awesome. I got flowers and I don't know who they're from. They're not from my husband, though. 
there's supposed to be a note. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, I bet you it was my parents. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, of course. You're so sweet. Are they pretty? So, they're very pretty. I'm trying to take off the plastic right now, but oh. so I I had a sad day and my best friend who is talking to us right now bought me some beautiful <laughs> flowers and she's just the best and I really oh. appreciate her. Thank you, Tasha. Of course. Uh, yeah, we we lost we lost a good one today. Yeah, we had to put my um my oldest dog Brutus down today. Uh he just wasn't doing well and um we thought it to instead of prolonging his suffering, we just decided it was time for him to finally get some rest. And he was a very anxious dog anyway, so he hasn't slept his entire life, I swear. Yeah. But, but we've had him so for sweet. 5 years, but he was 13. Yeah. I mean, he, oh. he for a, for a dog his size and his type, he he lived a, a longer life than most do. Oh yeah, he yeah. was a pit bull lab mix, so. Mm -hmm. But he was just oh the sweetest. I loved so him sweet. so much. Yeah, he was he my was, anxious buddy. He was a good pup. So yeah. we're gonna so, um, we're gonna take so our. Oh, go ahead. We're gonna we're gonna do sh two shots. We're gonna do well. Here's our shots to to Brutus today. To salute to Brute. To salute to Brute, exactly. Cheers, Brute. Love you, baby. Ooh. I'd also like to give a shout out to my girl Katie, who works at the vet clinic that we took Brutus to this morning, and they've taken really good care of him. Mm. And Katie's just been great as a friend in general, and just so thank you, Katie. Yeah. Sorry that we had to bring this to you today, but. Anyway, yeah. rough day for everyone, for sure. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about the what you've been up to the last two weeks? Or do you want to get going on your story? Um, you know what? My life is, uh, you know, the movie Groundhog's Day. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Christmas every day, but with Bill Murray and rated R. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my life is kind of like that. So I... <laughs> don't yeah. even I don't even know what day it is let alone what I have done the last two weeks so yeah. um with that I th think we can jump into it I I'm going to put a warning at the beginning of this episode that all of you have now heard already but what? I am going to reiterate the fact that this episode is going to contain very brutal themes and things that are probably not appropriate for anyone younger than 16, at least. Um, things can, can be very triggering. Tasha's putting an age limit on something. <laughs> you know what? If you're 14 and you want to listen to this crap, you go right ahead. But, but don't tell on us. <laughs> your parents can't be mad at us. <laughs> You downloaded it. <laughs> exactly. They let you listen to this. Parents, do your job. Which I doubt we have a 14-year-old <laughs> listening to us right now anyways. Like, I would hope not. We're not good influences. Well, it has booze in our title. <laughs> exactly. Saying. So w with that, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get into this. And okay. I apologize in advance because it's fucked up. Um, okay. So I am going to tell the story of the cannibal couple, Dimitri and Natalia Bakshiv. Cannibals. 
Okay, so Dmitri was born in 1982 in southern Russia. He was immediately placed into an orphanage. Now, some sources say that his mom was not in a good place to raise a child, but others say his biological parents were drug addicts. We do not know which is true. Uh, he was adopted at three years old by Svetlana and Vladimir, which are such perfect Russian names. Very Russian. I'm not going to try that. Very Russian. Very Russian. Uh, They had no other children. He was shy and considered a loner, but he apparently loved animals. So, you know, it's something. Uh, When Dimitri was 15, his adoptive mother, Svetlana, was diagnosed with cancer. And it said that she passed away within a week of that diagnosis. Yeah. Mm. Isn't that sad? That's like, that's so fast. Oh my gosh. Yeah, there's no time to process that. Exactly. And so apparently his adoptive father, Vladimir, turned violent after that and kicked him out at 15. Mm-hmm. So Dimitri basically couch hopped for a while before ending up on the street. Uh, eventually, he felt that his only option was to rob a store and steal a car. But unfortunately for him, he didn't get very far. Uh, he got caught and arrested and went to prison. Uh, no one, including his adoptive father, visited him while he was there, which is also very sad. So yeah. he's he's had a rough life so far. Um, when he was released, he did get a job doing construction and found a place to live, but his social life was pretty much non-existent. He had no friends, he had never had a girlfriend, and his co-workers considered him untidy. <laughs> Uh, While he did not drink himself, he apparently liked to hang out at bars and around people who did like to drink. And one night, when Dimitri was in one of these bars, he met a woman named Natalia. So we're going to talk about Natalia for a minute. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Natalia was also born in southern Russia, but she was born in 1975. So she was seven years older than Dimitri. She was raised by her mother and her grandmother, but her mother died when she was at a young age. Mm-hmm. Natalia wanted to become a doctor, so she went to metal sc- medical school, and then she worked as a senior nurse at an aviation school. She met her first husband there, and at 23, they had a son. Not long after this, her husband passed away. Yeah, lots of death in this story already, right? Yeah. <laughs> so Natalia went through a depression, and she began to drink a lot. She eventually started even mixing medications with her alcohol. Uh, She soon lost interest in her own life. She stopped cleaning uh, her house and she realized that she needed to get help. So she checked herself into a mental institute and explained that she thought that she had some sort of manic disorder. The doctors did a bunch of tests and tell her that she's fine and let her go. Now, it's said that Natalia may not have needed to go to the hospital, but she did so to provide a quote-unquote paper trail or some sort of quote-unquote proof that she had mental issues. Uh, This information would be used as a potential defense for what we will be getting into. So, Natalia's drinking got so bad that it started to affect her work and she lost her job, which caused her to drink more. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's when she met Dimitri. They hit it off, and he moved in with her rather quickly. But they dated for about five years before deciding to get married. Okay. Not much well, is said I'm... about her son during all this. She has a son? Yeah, she had a son. Remember with her husband who died? Oh, yeah. But nothing about her son. I found nothing about him other than the fact that he exists. That's why I forgot about him. <laughs> exactly. He's very forgettable. 
So, okay. um, but a, an acquaintance Does did she say, eat him? you know, I don't think so. <laughs> but uh, it is said that an acquaintance mentioned that uh, her son was embarrassed by her drinking and decided to move out not long after uh, her and Dimitri got married. So probably. Yeah. Uh, at this point, they were both having trouble keeping work and they decided to move. So they found work, they both found work on a military base in Krasnodar and stayed in a hostel on the site. Now, this is where it gets fun. So this is a, a rather recent story, by the way. Okay. Yeah, how long? When, when, when are we talking? Well, the story starts in 2017. Whoa! Recent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> in 2017, the chopped up remains of a woman were discovered in a bucket and a bag on the land of this military academy. Another bag was filled with the dead, dead woman's possessions. Around the same time, a road crew was out doing construction in a nearby city when they found a cell phone. Now, what do you do when you find a cell phone? Wait, you, Open it, turn it on. You turn it on, but then what do you do? Look through the contacts. I would look through the pictures. Right? I've never found a phone, so I don't know. <laughs> well, that's what most people do, is they would go through the pictures and see if they can find any boobs, you know? Oh, no. I wouldn't do that. I'm so sheltered. I wouldn't do that. I mean, personally, I wouldn't either, but I'm not most people. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, this crew looked through, started going through the pictures. Um, in doing so, they found a selfie-style photo of a man's head. With a dismembered hand stuffed in his mouth. Yeah. They almost immediately brought it to the police. And when authorities continued to look through the photos, they see more dead bodies, body parts, and a lot of wigs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We'll get into that later. Uh, Okay. Using the SIM card, they were able to find out that the phone belonged to Dimitri. Surprise, surprise. They picked up the couple for questioning. And they questioned Natalia about the photos on the phone. And of course, she plays dumb. She basically says that she had no idea what any of this is or where it came from. She and, did, of course she did. Right. They kept pushing her and eventually she starts to talk a bit. She said that she was walking home one day with Dimitri's phone and came across a dead body and decided to take photos of it. And that's that. And dropped it? Right. So, the police obviously didn't believe this. (laughs) You weren't just walking with your boyfriend's phone, husband's phone, whatever, Mm -hmm. and happened upon a dead body and were like, oh, I'm going to take a picture and then drop it and be like, oops, my bad. Right. Right. And that doesn't explain the picture of the guy with the hand in his mouth. Get it together, Natalia. Right. So, the uh, authorities got access to the couple's home. And it was something straight out of Hoarders. Like, I, I've seen the pictures, and it was pretty nasty. I've seen a home like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's just shit everywhere. You can barely see the floor. And the police are trying to find evidence when they go through the kitchen, and they find a junk drawer where they find 10 different cell phones. 10. They also found a giant stack of photos, which included the couple hanging out with a bunch of random people. Now, obviously, they assumed that this was Natalia and Dimitri with their friends, right? Until they come across a photo. (sighs) Okay. A photo of a man's severed head on a silver platter 
surrounded by whole oranges. There were olives in his eye sockets, and there was a lemon on his nose. A whole lemon on his nose. Like a clown nose? It looked like a clown nose. I don't like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be posting some of these photos on our Instagram too, by the way. Not the bad ones so much. And what is bad is kind of blurred out. Um, But they'll be on there if you want to. So what you're going to see in that picture is a lemon and then a bunch of blurs. (laughs) With oranges surrounding it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to show you the picture, honestly. Like, yeah, for sure. Okay. So, this photo happened to have a date on it. Okay. And this date was December 28th of 1999, 18 years prior. So, he was 17. Oh, wait. No. Okay. I'm assuming that Dimitri did this. Dimitri would have been 17. I know that he. I don't know why I yeah, clung on 17. to him being. So, well. You, you I'm don't, assuming it's Dimitri's. You don't know. Uh, you don't know. Anyway. So. Sorry. Jumping to conclusions. <laughs> so the police are obviously thinking, like, how long has this been fucking going on? You know? So they then they decide to check the refrigerator. But before they open it, they find what they think is a wig on a shelf next to the refrigerator in front of the microwave. Okay. That's not a wig. Well, it didn't take long to find that this was not a wig, <laughs> but a woman's scalp, which, oh! which had been perfectly cut along, uh, like, right around the hairline. Disgusting. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Uh, I have a picture of that, too. <laughs> oh. uh, so they found a few of these, quote unquote, wigs around the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, as if all of this isn't bad enough. Inside the fridge, they found tons of mason jars full of human body parts stored in saline solution. Now, funny little fact here, the mason jars were apparently extremely organized within the fridge. And that's funny because the rest of their house was trashed, you know? That was their one thing that they were hyper-focused on. Apparently, yeah. They just loved that human meat, you know? Uh, so, police decide to take the whole refrigerator in as evidence. Whole and refrigerator? The whole refrigerator. Uh, and they found around 19 pieces of human skin, seven packs of frozen body parts, and human remains pickled in jars. Disgusting. Yeah. Get it together, Natalia. So, after searching the rest of the house found numerous photos of dismembered human body parts, as well as a recipe book. Now, this was not just a normal recipe book, but one that was handwritten, allegedly by Natalia, with recipes on how to cook the meat, skin, and fat of humans. They also found a videotape, which ended up being literal, quote-unquote, lessons for cannibals on how to prepare human meat. Now, it is unknown if it was a home video of the couple or if they had gotten it somewhere else. I do not know. Them? (laughs) But I don't think I would want to find out either. I feel bad for whoever had to watch that movie. I feel bad for whoever had to star in that movie, i.e. the victim. Yeah. 
so true so true okay so the police bring the photo back photographs back to natalia and she actually identified 30 different people from these photos admitting that they had killed dismembered and cannibalized them the names she provided were then proven to be those of real missing persons yeah Natalia also admitted to having a cellar nearby where the couple kept even more of their possessions and body parts, but she refused to explain why they did what they did or when it started. So, obviously, the police then decided to question Dimitri, who was a lot more open with his admissions. He said on September 8th, that's my mom's birthday. (laughs) September 8th of 2017, They were on a dating site, and they decided to meet up with a woman. They had some drinks and brought her home. Now, Dimitri and the woman were apparently getting along really well, and Natalia was getting jealous, so she asked Dimitri to kill the woman. He apparently started stabbing her, and eventually Natalia joined in as well. They dismembered her and took the photos that were found on the cell phone, and the next day he ended up dropping the phone on accident. You know what? Oops. If you're taking pictures of your cannibal victims on your phone, I would chain that thing to my body. Nah, but I'm not. So (laughs) I'm glad you got caught, dude. Uh Aha, joke's on you. Right? So, yeah. When police asked him why he cut off her scalp, his his response was that... He just did something stupid. Okay. <laughs> right. So. I don't know what that means. I I killed and dismembered this chick and then dropped my phone and after I scalped her and I just, I, I just did something stupid, you know, whatever. So the victim was the same one whose remains were found on the military base. She was a 35 year old waitress. And I'm not going to say her name because in the Russian articles, they leave out all of the victims' names. Obviously, in American articles, they do not. But I do not want yeah. any Russian mob coming after me for any reason. So yeah. I'm going to leave that out. Um, so she was a 35-year-old waitress. Her other body parts were found sliced up in their fridge, in a frying pan on their stove, and stashed in their basement. Uh, Yeah. It was later admitted that the couple would find victims on dating sites, meet them at an empty building on the base that they considered their killing crypt, and drugging them with tranquilizers before murdering them. Then they would transport their body parts back to their hostel in backpacks. Fun. Yeah. I want to go on a double date with them. I was just thinking that, like, they sound like a riot. <laughs> we, it would be a great dinner date. Why didn't I get invited? <laughs> Seahorse Hill. Seahorse Hill. You caught me mid-drink, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Seahorses. Forever. Forever. All right, so when Natalia and Dimitri were being charged, Natalia, of course, claimed to be mentally ill and asked them to look up her health record. Hence, going to the hospital earlier in the story. Hint, 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 you know? Hey, where's your kid? (laughs) Who the fuck knows? Hopefully far, far away. Yeah. So, um, 
obviously both parties have mental issues. Okay, this is very obvious. But after psychiatrists checked them both out, they claimed that there was nothing mentally wrong with either of them. That uh, both of them were aware of what they did and what they were doing at the time of the murders and should be held accountable. Okay. Agreed, but they're still fucking crazy. Obviously. In February of 2019, Natalia was charged with incitement of murder and received 10 years in a penal colony, which is apparently a settlement used to separate prisoners from the general population, kind of like That's how like an island. Australia started. Australia was a penal colony? Yeah, really? it was an Irish penal colony. An Irish penal colony? Yes. What? That's how it started. The things you learn. So, apparently, these penal colonies uh, are known for abuse. And they're supposedly best known for being like work camps. So, the prisoners are overworked. They are making things like clothing or greeting cards. And the people run the, running the prisons profit from the sale of these items. So, it's like work camps, basically. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, after 10 years here, she would have to spend another two years in a normal prison. Now, Dimitri mm. was sentenced to 12 years in a maximum security prison, and he was actually the one who was prescribed compulsory supervision and treatment by a psychiatrist. Now, Dimitri was nicknamed, quote unquote, devil. He actually mm. died in prison in February of 2020 of untreated type 1 diabetes. Oh. Yeah. So that could have, like, caused some of his... Eating habits? Yeah. (laughs) You know, you never know. I'm not making an excuse for him, though. You shouldn't have done it. You know better. So this is where I'm going to get into some of the, the, the weird... The weird things, more more weird, weirder things. <laughs> I was like, well, that's already weird, but go on. <laughs> uh, after being charged, someone had leaked the photos from Dimitri's cell phone to the media, and uh-huh. people went ballistic, okay? So rumors started that the couple did not, in fact, kill and eat all these people themselves, but were part of a larger family of cannibals within the city, and they were going down as a sacrifice to save the rest of the group. Right? I know. Your face is perfect. (laughs) So they didn't believe that Dimitri and Natalia could kill upward of 30 people over 20-plus years without getting caught. And here's the real fucking kicker to that, that idea, okay? They didn't even meet supposedly until 2012 so who's eating people as early as 1999 yeah they they couldn't have been killing people together in 1999 if they didn't even meet until you know 13 years later i don't know so anywho it didn't help that authorities refuted idea that the couple were serial cannibals and they were only charged with the one murder that of the waitress they considered the couple novice killers not necessarily cannibals and this sparked claims of a cover-up 
Uh, criminal lawyer Dr. Yulia Fedotova claimed the dismemberment of the waitress's body was carried out by a skilled butcher who had previous experience and asked if the couple were not cannibals, why were the body parts so expertly preserved in their fridge and freezer? Now, neither Natalia nor Dimitri had surgical or butchery experience, so how else could they have dismembered this girl so quickly and expertly in just a few hours if this was their first and only kill? Yeah, for sure. Makes you wonder. But at the same time, it also brings back that family of cannibals thing. Like maybe they weren't the ones dismembering. Maybe someone else came in and helped them do that. You know what I mean? They just killed the people and someone else came over to help them dismember and like... bottle up the body parts like people who hunt they sometimes they'll have somebody to field dress and stuff right exactly so who knows um so several sources suggest that the authorities did not want to allow a scandal at the prestigious military academy where the couple lived so that went into the whole like cover-up bullshit oh yeah uh there were also rumors that Natalia uh, supposedly, allegedly, supposedly, su- allegedly, <laughs> supplied the canned human meat and even human meat pies to the school where she worked, as well as catering oh. establishments around the city. These rumors were obviously refuted as well, but there are cafe owners, multiple people who specifically remember her trying to sell her meat products to them as early as 2010. Again, before they supposedly met. Yeah. Right. So yeah. she's kind of seeming to be the the main one here, you know? Get it together, Natalia. But who knows? So with this said, there's a lot of questions regarding this case, obviously. <laughs> like, did Natalia's first husband really die of something natural? Or did she fucking eat him? <laughs> I'm going to go with the latter. Uh, did her son actually know what was going on and that's why he got out? I'm going to say yeah. You know? Was she doing this before she met Dimitri? Or did he bring her into it? Well, she said, they said 2010. So right. that sounds like she brought him into it. That's my thought too. Were they really a part of a larger group of cannibals? Or were they just a crazy, murderous cannibal couple? We may never know. But it is a hell of a gruesome story. Is she alive? She's still, oh yeah, that was she's like still, three years yeah. ago. She's still alive. She She's barely gotten into this penal colony. She was charged in 2019. He said penal. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the story of the disgusting cannibal couple from Russia. Demetria and Natalia, get it together. Natalia. Come on. Yep. Ugh. Ugh. Meat pies. You know, it. when I read that, it reminded me of, um, what, I always forget the name of that fucking movie where Johnny Depp is the, the barber. You know what I'm talking about? Um, Sweeney Todd? Sweeney Todd. Have you seen Sweeney Todd? Nope. I just watched it for the first time in October, I think. Yeah. And... That's part of that story is he's like killing all these people, you know, slitting their throats with his barber razors. 
And then he drops him down this hole into Bellatrix Lestrange's basement where she chops him up and cooks him and puts him in meat pies and sells them in her restaurant. My God. You should watch it. It's actually a pretty good fucking movie. I was And impressed. it's a musical too, right? And it's a musical. So yeah. you can get down on that music. And there are such good actors in this movie too. I think I might be wrong. I might, I'm going to look this up, but I'm pretty sure Snape's in it too. And I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, no, he is. He cut. is. He's one of the patients or one of the clients that dies. Yeah, that's, yeah, I thought so. So it's like yeah. a, a Harry Potter reunion with Johnny Depp where they. Well, I mean, he's in, he's in the first two Fantastic Beasts too. He is. It's Sweeney Todd is Harry Potter. Potterception. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's like, it's nocturnality. Yeah, it does seem like that because it's like old London, you know, and it's all dirty and shit and people are dying on the streets and Jack the Ripper's out there somewhere killing prostitutes, sex workers, excuse me. Yes, sex workers. Sex workers. R.I.P. ladies. Yeah. And men. I do. I I mean, you might want to do it and that would be fine, but I was planning on doing Jack the Ripper at some point. You you can do it. That's a long one. Okay. <laughs> I because I want to watch all of those Jack the Ripper documentaries. Speaking. And it potentially plays into like multiple other murders that happened in the United States that they think might be tied to. Mhm. Anyway. So that that was your story. Do we need to take a break? Uh I'm kind of hot as balls, so I say let's take a quick break. Okay. And then we'll come back and take a shot and do yours. All right. You want to get back into this? Yeah, I, I do you have another shot ready? I do have another shot ready. So what are we shooting to this time, Nighthawk? You know, I'm <laughs> I'm just gonna tell you what it is, Dragon. Okay. We're gonna take a shot to the Dybbuk box. <gasps> no way. Is that why you were watching fucking Zach Beggins? Yeah, Deadly Possessions and then the Ghost Adventures Quarantine. And then I also got information from the eBay listing from two of the sellers as well what? as like other news or another like, yeah. So let's cheers to not owning the Dybbuk box. All right. Give me a moment here. Which also ties into me drinking wine. All right. You ready? I sure am. All right, cheers to the Dybbuk box. Dybbuk box. Whew. So if you know me, you know I love a nice wine cabinet draped in Jewish history. Before you get into this, I'm going to stop you just for a second and bring up something completely not relevant. Cool. (laughs) But I just want to say... It smells phenomenal in my house right now. Okay, <laughs> so I, I what what way? Why does it smell phenomenal? So I was almost out of incense and almost out of wax melts. So I had to order some new ones. So I ordered from a company that I have ordered from once before. Yeah. Um, I ordered incense from them before, and this time I got incense and wax melts because I needed it. And their incense is phenomenal, 
their wax melts are just as good. <laughs> like, yeah. You, you know where my wax melter is. It's in the far corner of like my foyer, like my porch room, yeah. you know. I'm yeah. in my kitchen across the whole house and I can smell it as if I'm standing next to it. You are in the kitchen. I don't know why I thought you were in the living room. Oh, my God, dude. Like, uh, I just have to come back out there just to see for myself. It smells so good. Okay, so I got um, the company. I'm going to shout out to them. It's called Flint Candle Candle Company, Flint, F-L-I-N-T. You had um, me look at those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have a an incense sampler for like $8. And you get uh, to pick five different kinds of incense. And you mm-hmm. get um, five of each of them, I think. Four, four of each of them. So you get 20 sticks of incense. And you get to pick which kinds you want to try. It's just like a sample pack. So I did that again. And I got some old ones that I really liked and some new ones that I really liked. One that I highly recommend is um, black coffee. Mm-hmm. It smells amazing. It's like coffee. It's, it's like if you went into a coffee shop and that coffee shop was let, burning incense, <laughs> and it's it's amazing. I love it. But now, the, funny, we both actually worked in a coffee shop. We did. Never do that again. You, I really enjoyed it, but that was my. You liked it. I fucking hated it. But my coworkers were a bunch of stuck-up, pretentious-ass well, bitches. And the company that I worked for now owns that store. Yeah, yeah. which is weird. But um, so the I got a few different kind of wax melts as well. But the one that I'm uh melting right now is that the right terminology? Um, is it's called kink. Okay. And it smells like a leather store. Oh, uh, okay. Like, I, it just it makes me want to yell out, like, spank me daddy, you know? Nah. Oh, <laughs> it's so good, dude. It's not just, like, leather. It's leather with, like, a hint of, like, forest. Musk. Yeah. Like, Musk. like it, if you're... Like, imagine Lord of the Rings, and you're, like, ripping Aragorn's fucking leather off of him, you know? <laughs> Dude, both of our parents listen to this. Sorry. Sorry, Mom and Dad. And sorry, Mom and Dad. She's not sorry. <laughs> I'm totally not sorry. I'm sure both of our parents know what kind of person I am. <laughs> Totally. So, I just. Anywho, sorry to interrupt. I, I just, just wanted don't to want shout them to out. I know the type of person I am. <laughs> <laughs> we, we'll keep you the innocent one and me the corrupting one, as it always has been. Yeah, that's how it started. That's how. Yeah, I'm okay with that role. Even yeah. though it may not fit me completely any longer like it did when we were 18. It, I'll still gladly take it if that's what they want to believe. It was more fun at 18. <laughs> it, we were way more fun at 18. We were way more fun at 18. Oof, man. So, anywho, again, sorry about interrupting, but I wanted to shout out to Flint Candle Company, so go buy their shit because it smells fucking amazing. Yeah, and yeah I... I got to smell stuff while I was there. The good. the black coffee is the one I was burning when you first got there. 
Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. But please proceed with the Dibbit box because I am excited. Okay. So, um, the where it like surfaces in everything is, um, is September of yeah. That's. So I'm sorry. I'm trying to get my screens all like how I want them. So sorry. I'm not looking <laughs> at you. I'm not much to look uh, at. Huh? <laughs> Said I'm not much to look at. Uh, <laughs> you're a liar. She was always the hot friend, guys. So mm. maybe was, but I am 33 Shit. and saggy. I'm 32 and don't know how to do my own makeup. You don't need makeup. That's the mm. difference between us. You could not wear makeup and you still look fucking adorable. If I don't wear makeup, I look like a goddamn bridge troll. Okay, so let... Oh, you know, talking about, like, a hag-looking bridge troll, not you, <laughs> but apparently that's what a divic looks like. Really? But, yeah, like, it's it looks like, like a hag. Like a banshee? So, kinda. Hmm. Well, I... Going full circle. Like, that's a, that's a very big circle, too. Like, two <laughs> weeks away mm-hmm. from each other. Big. Um... Anyway, so I'm not going to get into that just yet. But yes, they do look like hags, apparently. So the Divic box, in September of 2001, the original owner, Kevin... Well, not the original owner. The original buyer, Kevin Manis, um, purchased it from an estate sale in Portland, Oregon. Of course it it would be in Portland. Yeah, he's an antiques dealer. (laughs) And so he owns like a small store... So, or owned, I don't know if he still does, I don't think he does, um, in Portland at least, but mm-hmm. um, he went to the estate sale of a 103-year-old Holocaust survivor, and she actually, you know, she's deceased now, right? which is why they're having the estate sale, um, and her name was Havela. She was born, raised, and started her own family in Poland. Wow, I love that name. Havela. Yeah, that's so pretty. Yeah, and uh, she, I think she lived in Krakow. I tried to look further into her, but um, it was really hard to find just information based off of her name and the fact that she lived in Portland in, like, 2000-ish. Right. So it was just hard to find. But um, she lived in Poland until uh, she and her family were sent to a Nazi concentration camp. Uh, They didn't say which concentration camp, but... Take your pick. They were all terrible. Yeah. And um, she I mean, was the I, only... Auschwitz would be the closest, I'm assuming. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything either. It True. just depends on where they had openings. Right. Um. So she was the only her family to survive. Uh, she lost her parents, her brothers. And they didn't say how many brothers, but it says her parents, her brothers, a sister, her husband, uh, two sons, and a daughter. Wow. Yeah. So that her entire family was decimated in that concentration camps that they got sent to. I don't know That's if horrible. they all got sent to the same ones. Like it's just it was oh, hard to find a lot not. of that information. Yeah. 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 But this all of this information is according to her granddaughter who like Kevin Manis spoke to at the um estate sale. Mm-hmm. And um she actually survived by escaping the camp with a few other prisoners. And um, they escaped to Spain, and she stayed there. Yeah, wow. she stayed. Yeah, she stayed there until um, they traveled to the, 
to the United States after the war was over. Kevin asked Tavella's granddaughter, um, he was looking at a couple things and he noticed a wine cabinet that he thought was like, like nicely made and it had a lot of nice detail put into it. And he had intended to buy that and a sewing kit or like a sewing box and like a couple other items. It didn't say anything else other than the sewing box and the <laughs> cabinet. Now, what I also found was that two of those items, the sewing box and the wine cabinet, were two of the three things that she, Havella, brought with her to the United States from Spain. Oh, wow. So she only had three items with her. It was a steamer trunk, like a Harry Potter luggage trunk. Right. And then um, the wine cabinet, and which is supposedly the Dybbuk box, mm-hmm. and the sewing box that she had as well. So... Um, Kevin asked Tavella's granddaughter about the cabinet. She informed him that it was one of the three items. She said that it was always kept in her grandma's sewing room. And she was told by her grandmother to never open it. And so she asked her grandma, well, what's in it? And her grandma spit three times between her fingers in like a Yiddish way. Right. And said a dibbik and a kesselum. The fuck and is a kesselum? Not a clue. <laughs> Nobody knows how to spell it. Nobody knows how to say it. It's not a Hebrew word. It's not a Yiddish word. Really? Um, in some of the, like, I actually, like, looked into this because I was like, okay, what is that? Yeah. And um, somebody was like, well, it's very close to, like, it's very close to the Turkish word for priest. And so if they have, like, a divic and a priest in the box or something like that, like, that's that's what they, that's what I saw on a message board. Interesting. I have no idea how close to truth that is, but huh. um, the granddaughter didn't know what a Kesselum was, and neither does Kevin Manet. Okay. <laughs> and everything that I searched in regards to that word, um, and now I'm getting, like, this is really weird. I'm getting, like, a really big, like... <coughs> <laughs> like a frog in your throat? Yes, and this actually happened to somebody, and I wasn't going to bring it up because I didn't think it was relevant, but now I'm going to have to. Oh, shit. We'll get into that, hopefully, if I remember. Don't um, die. I'm not going to. It's just like a little tickle, like, right here. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so um, I looked it up. Nobody knows what it means. What it, and I looked at several message boards, and there was, like, one person who was like, well, it's kind of like the word for, like, priest in Turkish. Cool. We'll go with that. Right. So get me two priests and a Give me a rabbi. young priest and an old priest. Oh. <laughs> the power of Christ compels you. It doesn't feel... Oh, well, Zach did find compelling evidence with this item. Is it really compelling? I don't feel very compelled. <laughs> um, so uh, he asked what the Dybbuk and the Kesselum were. The granddaughter said that she didn't know what a Kesselum was, but she knew that a Dybbuk was a dark <laughs> entity in <clears throat> Jewish mythology. Mm-hmm. And according to Wikipedia, a Dybbuk is a malicious possessing spirit believed to be the dislocated soul of a dead person. And it leaves the host body once it has accomplished its goal, but it can be removed via exorcism. Um, and it comes from the ancient Hebrew word meaning to cling. Mm. And then um, in one of the episodes that I watched, it said that that um, it was... So then uh, somebody was talking about like what a Dybbuk like, really is. And they said that it's a soul with unfinished business. Okay. So it's like, well, yeah, I mean, that's what a ghost is. That's what Casper taught me, that it's a soul with unfinished business. And they can't leave the physical realm until they finish that business. 
You know what else and, Casper taught me? Huh? That you can be attracted to a ghost. Because damn it. Which really actually comes in handy because a couple years ago, some girl left her boyfriend for a ghost. What? What? We shall talk about that eventually. Okay. You, you've picked my interest. Good. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Okay. But if it, her fiance and or brother, brother, oh my God. Her fiance and or boyfriend and or husband broke up with her because he caught her with the ghost. Okay. We're it's we're interesting. Gonna, we're gonna we're gonna get into this later. We're gonna have to dive into that later. Okay. Eventually. Eventually. Anyway, so they say that it's a, a soul with unfinished business and they can't leave they're basically stuck in purgatory until they can finish their business. Mm-hmm. And so they do it on earth they can possess people to complete their business and sometimes it's not of the best intentions yeah so uh once they finish then they can leave the body or the person can be exercised of the dibic the granddaughter was also talking about how the box was never to be opened and um she requested her grandma requested that the box or the cabinet be buried with her but they due to their religion the burial procedures in an Orthodox Jew faith, they couldn't have it as a part of the burial. And so the request was denied and the family ended up keeping the cabinet. And so that's how we're here. It's at the estate sale. And the guy's like, well, obviously it's an heirloom. Like, yeah. Why are they like, trying no, no. to sell it? Yeah. And he had already paid for it at this point. And he, she was like, he's like, oh, well, you can keep it. And she's like, no, 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 you paid for it. It's yours. And he was like, well, you can keep the money. Like, I, if it makes you, if yeah. you want it to, like, make yourself feel better, I would like you to have it. Yeah. He's like, I would feel better if you kept it. And she's like, no, 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 you paid for it. You made a deal. <gasps> and it's like, right there, I would be like, mm, no, I'm good. Thanks. Keep the money. Bye. Bye. I'm out. But- <laughs> Apparently, Kevin doesn't make the connection to this. And is just like, are you sure? And she's like, yes. Um, And then she was like, we don't want it. Please leave. And he was like, poor grandma is rolling in her fucking grave. She is like, my granddaughter is an idiot. What the fuck are you doing? Keep that shit so no one else can fucking let it out. Yeah. That poor grandma. She went through so much shit just to have dumb grandkids. I'd probably be one of those dumb grandkids. I don't want to keep it. You keep it. I don't want it. You keep it. I would rather it be with me in a dark corner of my attic somewhere than knowing that I gave it to someone else to potentially ruin their life. That is true. That is absolutely true. And yeah, no, I don't think I could live with myself with that. Mm-hmm. I would just be like, eh, just like keep it upstairs and like put it. Lucas would be like, get rid of it. Literally, this is why. <laughs> You're, you constantly find shit in, like, behind walls in old houses. Mm-hmm. That's what I would do. I would go to, like, my attic or my basement and, like, brick that thing up in a wall somewhere. Yes. So you have it in your house, but no one can fucking get to it. Absolutely. Mm-mm. Find you an empty hole and then close <laughs> that bitch in there. You find that hole and you fill it. And then brick it over afterwards. (laughs) Anyway. So he's like, well, I'll respect your wishes. I'll leave. But didn't make any connection. Didn't think like, hmm. 
And also, like, he's also been working Red in flags. antiques. Yeah, he's also been working in antiques and, like, running a store, like, going to estate sales. So I'm sure he's, like, used to people, like, having these That's family true. Yeah. legends tied to items. That's true. And so he went back to the shop and put everything down in the basement. And then he said he left that to go run some errands. And when he ran to go run the errands, his his shop manager or whatever that he had left in charge called him and was like, there's somebody in the workshop, which is where he had left those items. was like, there's somebody in the workshop. There's like yelling and cursing and like glass breaking. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh call the cops why are you calling me <laughs> call the cops so he's like he heads back to the store and she's calling the cops and like when he gets there you know the you live in philly so you know what like gates on storefronts are oh yeah yeah really like, pull them down lock them and all that mm-hmm. the gates were locked and closed meaning that like anybody that could be like running out or in or anything like would be stopped up by these gates and when he got inside she was laying on the ground of the back office and like crying and stuff. She's like hysterical. And like when he approached her, she like screamed at him, like cussed at him and like, I think slapped him. Wow. Not entirely sure if she slapped him, but she like <laughs> yelled at him and then like quit on the spot mm-hmm. and like left and never came back. And like, he still talks to her and he said that she will not talk about what happened. Dang. And so, like, that's that's literally all we know about that. And so he went down to the basement to see if there was somebody still down there to the workshop. And, like, he walked down there. He's like, there's no other way in and out of the basement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have ran into them. But when he got down there, he couldn't see anything because all the light bulbs had blown out. Of course they did. And that was the, cla- the glass that was breaking. Mm-mm. Nope. It was all the light bulbs and the fluorescent bulbs and yeah, all in their sockets and fixtures. They all busted and everything. Nope. Right. <laughs> so then a couple weeks passed, he decided to give the wine cabinet to his mom mm. for her birthday. Mm-mm. Yes. And her birthday was on October 28th and he was going to, like, refinish it for her and everything. And so he had... He bought this in September of 2001. I don't know the exact date, but I know that it was, like, obviously within a couple weeks. And so he had a couple weeks to get this cabinet, like, refinished and stuff. And he, like, wanted to fix the mechanisms and, like, refinish any of the, like, wood and the metal and all that to make it look nice for his mom's birthday. And he decided to open it. So he opened one of the doors... And there was a mechanism that when you open one of the doors, it caused the other door and the drawer on the bottom to open at the same time. So they all three of them opened automatically. And he was like, wow, that's really cool. Like, I've never seen craftsmanship like that. Like, that's really cool. Wait. So so this lady's granddaughter, the one who sold it to him, told him that there's a Dybbuk in this box. That's what, so she was like, my grandma told me that there's a Dybbuk and a Kesselum in this box. And And told him what a Dybbuk was. still opened it? But he's also an antiquities dealer who has dealt with family stories with legends surrounding all those items saying like, oh, this is haunted by my great-great-nana or, oh, this is haunted by old man Smithers or 
whoever. So I'm sure he was just like, whatever. Like, it's not even that big of a deal. Oh, honey, no. What is you doing? What is you doing? Oh, no, baby. <laughs> what is you doing? So Kevin opens the cabinet that should not be opened and was supposed to be buried with Havella. Mm-hmm. When she passed away at 103 years old. That was not buried with her. So she he he opened the cabinet and like inside he found a total of eight items inside. There was one 1925 U.S. mint wheat penny. There was one 1928 U.S. mint wheat penny. There was one lock of dark hair tied with string. Nope. You lost me. Out. Um, one lock of blonde hair. Tied Mm-mm. with string. Mm-mm. One small golden wine goblet. One dried rosebud. One, and this, you would love this. One candle holder with four octopus-shaped legs. Ooh. Yeah. And then one small granite statue with shalom in Hebrew engraved on it. So he found all of this. This sounds like a spell. So um, I'll actually kind of... Anyway, so um, <laughs> am I on to something? Well, I mean, I wouldn't say like a spell, but um, I'm sure you've heard of Kabbalah. Mm-hmm. Kabbalah is like Kabbalah. A mysticism of Judaism, mm-hmm. and it circles around the tree of life and everything. And this kind of like plays into that a little bit. And so, like this kind of thing is, and we'll get into this. But yeah, you're kind of on the right track. Madonna does Kabbalah. So do a lot of other <laughs> um, Hollywood celebs. Gwyneth. They have the, yeah, I think she's more into herself now. But <laughs> That's probably and true. Goop. Goop. Anyway. So Kevin decided to give this to his mom for her birthday. Opens it. Finds the weird shit in there. And he was like... I'm going to not refinish this. He calls the family and he's like, hey, I found this stuff in this cabinet. Are you sure you don't want it back? And they're like, no, we don't want it back. And he's like, well, I'll send you this stuff. They're like, no, thanks. He's like, I don't want it. (laughs) And he's like, at this point, he's like, maybe it is something ritualistic and I don't want to get rid of it. And potentially like, no, he actually wasn't thinking that at this point whatsoever. Like, I mean, at that point, I would have been like, mm, you're taking it back. I'm putting it on your front porch. That's it. Exactly. Sorry. I don't want the shit. Sorry, not sorry, Havella's family. She take, wanted it buried with her. Take back your box, bitch. Yeah, that means you got to sneak into the cemetery at night and bury it with her. Exactly. Ex- that's exactly what you do. <laughs> anyway. That's just that's just a little like ethics lesson, guys. I mean, if your family don't. tells you to bury something with them and they're not supposed to bury it with them, you figure out a way. You get it done. Because otherwise you're going to be haunted and then you're going to sell it and then somebody else is going to be haunted. Exactly. And you do not and want how that on your conscience. We end up with this shit because according I mean, we're not going to get into that just yet. So, <laughs> They didn't want the shit that he found in the cabinet. And he was like, fine, I'll figure something out. He also noted that on the back of the cabinet, there was like a 
almost like a Hail Mary on the back. And he didn't translate it. The next seller translated it. And it said, like, here, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Blessed is the name of his honored kingdom forever. That is like a Hail Mary. Yeah, they say it at, like, times of fear and death and all that kind of thing. So I took it as, like, a Hail Mary rosary type thing. Mm -hmm. So he decided after he saw the carving, he was like, well, maybe I won't refinish this. I'll just, like, get it all nice with some lemon oil spruce it up a little bit um he fixed any like wear and tear on the mechanisms the locks whatever and then he gave he called his mom was like hey i have a gift for you for your birthday her birthday is october 28th and Mm -hmm. she was actually busy that day so they went out i don't know how true this is this is what they said they went out to lunch on halloween or made plans to go to lunch on halloween she met him at the shop and he's like oh here's your gift I have to make a call. I'd like you to, you know, take a look at your gift while I, you know, go make my call. And she, he was like, she expressed like excitement over it. Thought it was like a really nice wine cabinet. Um, The wine cabinet had like little bunches of grapes on the front on either door. So it was cute and kind of kitschy, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you can tell it's from like an older era. And she thought it was really cool. He came back from his phone call and found her like, in the chair next to the cabinet and she was like not moving, not talking was like completely expressionless, but she was crying. Like tears were falling down her face and was absolutely like, he was like trying to get her to talk. She couldn't talk. So he called 911 paramedics came and turns out she had a major stroke. And what at the time she lost her ability to speak as well as 80% of her vision. No yeah. way. Yeah. So at, at in the eBay listing, it said, like, oh, she's gained it back now, like her speech. But mm-hmm. her vision was still gone, and she still had problems, like, talking because she still had partial paralysis and everything. Did she say anything about what happened? So she couldn't talk, but the next day he went to go see her, and she's been using, she'd been using an alphabet sheet to, like, point out letters to spell out words and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, she spelled out no gift. And he thought, like, she was confused, like, that she thought that he didn't give her a gift. And she was, no, a hate gift. Spelled out hate gift. And he was like, he kind of laughed it off. And he was like, well, we'll get you whatever you want. Just get home. And that was, like, the last he thought about it. So he gave the cabinet to his sister and after a week, she gave it back to him and said, I don't want it. Of course she did. So then he gave it to his brother and his wife, so his brother and sister-in-law. And after two days, they gave it back to him and was like, we don't want it. And the his brother said that it smelled like jasmine flowers. But his sister-in-law said it smelled like, like a strong smell of cat urine. Ew. Yes. And so then he, like, took it back and, like, put it in his apartment and was like, well, I'm going to give it to my girlfriend. So he gave it to his girlfriend. And even less time, she had it like maybe like 36 hours and was like, I don't want it. Please sell it. So he started noting, noticing a like strong cat urine smell. He's like, I've never had a cat. No cat's ever been here. Like there's no reason why my shop or my house should smell like this. Mm-hmm. And he sells it to like a, 
older couple at the shop and a couple days later he comes back and it's sitting on the step of the store with a note that says um this has a bad darkness and he he was like okay (laughs) maybe i'll like take it actually like take it home this time and like maybe monitor it a little bit so I actually got this entire section verbatim from the eBay listing, like, cause I'm going to copy it word for word anyway. I'm just going to quote it from the okay. listing. So let me take a drink. And... <laughs> so from this eBay listing, mm-hmm. Kevin Manis puts, since the day I brought it home, I began having a strange recurring nightmare. Every time I have the horrible dream, it goes something like this. I find myself walking with a friend, usually someone I know and trust at some point in the dream. I find myself looking into the eyes of the person that I'm with, and it is then that I realize that there is something different, something evil looking back at me. At that point in my dream, the person I am with, the person I am with changes into what can only be described as the most gruesome demonic looking hag that I have ever seen. Mm. This hag proceeds then to beat the living tar out of me. I have awakened numerous times to find bruises and marks on myself where I had been hit by the old woman during the previous night. Still, I never related the nightmares to the cabinet, nor do I think that I ever would have. Wow. About a month ago, however, my sister and my brother and his wife came over to my house and spent the night. The following morning, during breakfast, my sister complained that she had had a horrible nightmare. She said that she recalled having had it a couple times before and went on to to describe my nightmare exactly to the last detail. My brother and his wife froze as they listened, then chimed in that they had both had the exact same dream during the night as well. The hair standing on the back of my neck was... The hair is standing on the back of my neck and still is. As we talked, it became clear that the common denominator was that each of us had had the nightmare during the times that the cabinet was in our respective homes. I called my girlfriend and asked if she could recall having any nightmares recently. She described the same nightmare, same hag, everything. When I asked her if she remembered the date when she had the nightmare, she said she did not. Then I asked if it happened to be the night before she gave me the cabinet back to sell for her. And she said, yeah, hey, how did you know that? Of course. So then (laughs) the listing goes on. Now then, since my family discussion, it seems like all hell is breaking loose. For a week afterward, I started seeing what I can only describe as shadow things in my peripheral peripheral vision. In fact, numerous visitors to my house have claimed that they have seen these shadow things. I put the cabinet in an inside storage unit and was awakened when the smoke alarm in the unit went off in the middle of the night. When I went to see what was burning, I opened the door and didn't see any smoke. However, I did get hit with the smell of cat urine. Mm-mm. When I went back inside, the smell was there in my house. I do no, do not own a cat, and I never have. I went back outside and grabbed the cabinet. I brought it back inside and tried to research it on the internet. While I was surfing the net, I fell asleep once again, had the same freak nightmare, woke up around 4.30 when I felt and smelled like someone was breathing on my neck, only to find my house now smelled like jasmine flowers. And just in time to see a huge shadow go loping down the <gasps> hall away from me. No. And then he goes on to say, like, I destroy this cabinet, but, like, I know that there's people out there who would want to research this kind of thing, investigate this kind of thing. So he put it on the internet. Yeah. And he was like, um, on one more note, on the same day my mom had her stroke, the lease to my store was summarily terminated without cause. What? Excuse me. Yeah. Wow. So he got evicted from his storefront the same day that his mom had a stroke. That's 
not just coincidence. That's not that's not just bad luck. Yes. So when I was looking at this, like I went, there's an actual website for Dybbuk Box. It's called DybbukBox.com. D-I-B-B-U-K-B-O-X.com. And it's spelled both, like Dybbuk can be spelled both ways. D-I-B-B-U-K and D-Y-B-B-U-K. Mm-hmm. But it's, the website is D-I-B-B-U-K. Okay. Anyway, so um, the main part of that listing is listed there. But then I went to like an archive of the eBay listing so it takes you back to like what it looked like the day that it was sold or something like that. And um, there's like a break in the page. And then you see underneath that it's somebody else talking. Like it's presumably somebody else talking. And they even say like, I bought this from the original seller and he bought, he purchased the cabinet. And then they, be- they said that they didn't believe in the paranormal. They were doubtful of the box, but they wanted to buy it. Mm-hmm. And this person lived somewhere in Missouri and had like five or six roommates and they all lived in a house together and they decided like each one of them was going to have it in their bedroom each night Mm-mm. they were going to take turns <laughs> and like talk about what happened so <sighs> in august that they, they bought it in june of 2003 in august of 2003 two of the roommates complained of burning eyes um another was completely like done they were exhausted they had no energy whatsoever they were sleeping multiple times a day um another became like super sick rather quickly but the the person who bought the cabinet just chalked it up to like being allergies Mm -hmm. and was like you know that can happen if you're sick you have allergies whatever and then um there was one day their house was completely full of like a bunch of little bugs and Mm -hmm. it was just for like a couple or was like five or six hours in one day and then it stopped ew and then the Dybbuk box itself began opening and closing on its own. Nope. Done. I'm out. So then in September, electronic devices began to be affected. Um, they claimed that each day something new would be dead. And so they said like Xboxes, toaster, TV, watches. I think they said air conditioning unit. I'm not 100% sure on that. But um, And then they said that they don't, the poster said that they didn't want to talk about anything that happened between October and January. So between October 2003 and January 2004, they don't want to talk about it, but they just kind of like gloss over some of the stuff that happened. And they said that they noticed. I find that so frustrating when people go through events like this and they're like, I don't want to talk about it. Like, bitch, you better give me all these details. Right. I want to know everything that happened. happened. Exactly. And you better not be keeping this shit in your brain because this could be helping people in the future, you selfish ass bitch. But they don't believe in it. They don't believe that this is affecting them. Well, if they don't want to talk about it, then they obviously believe that something fucking happened. So they're a lion ass bitch and they need to just let it out. Open up. Open up. It'll help you get over it. And it'll help people in the future. All right, so continue. Kevin, <laughs> so Kevin sold the box. The dude with the box was like, I don't want to talk about what happened between October and January of 2003 to 2004. Right. But he did note that um, he did have some problems sleeping. Um, and he noticed it started around October 6th and noted that it, it was still going on at that time. And like by the calculations that I did with like what they were saying, like, oh, today's Friday and this happened last Tuesday. 
I was able to like pinpoint that it was supposedly February 6th that they were making this posting. And so that was four months of not being able to sleep like hardly at all. Mm -hmm. And they also noted that they now lived alone. They didn't live with their roommates anymore. And they had to start replacing a lot of burnt out light bulbs and noticed a lot more like unusual car repairs. Like, you know how your bad luck is, is like, okay, what else could go wrong? And you got the most random shit that mm-hmm. started happening to this guy. Okay. Like, he went Maybe to Maybe I fix. found the fucking debit box. You might have one of them. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> I mean, it, it. I wouldn't put it past me. I did send you a skull with a Ouija board on it. What? That Ouija board skull oh. that I sent you. No. That thing's awesome. It's too cool to be fucking cursed. <laughs> It's way too cool to be cursed. Okay. So this wine cabinet (laughs) that we got from Pure One Mm -hmm. is not Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the guy was like, he was having unusual car repairs. They started seeing shadows in the peripherals like Kevin Manis did. And they started noticing strong ammonia smells in the garage. So like cat urine. Mm -hmm. And then their hair began falling out. What? And they were in their early 20s and had just been to the doctor for, like, a full physical and received, like, a clean physical and everything, and their hair was falling out. No idea why. Now, my husband started balding at, like, the age of 17. So it's possible. But this guy made it sound like he was actually, like, legitimately balding randomly one day. One of them or all of them? Just the just the person that was creating the post, okay. the listing. Like he 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 was the one who initially bought it and right. brought it into his house of roommates, and now he doesn't live with them, and he started balding. Okay, but he started balding very fast. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. probably probably not normal. I'd say not. <laughs> it's like in those like. Horror films when they're in their shower and they're and like they pull showering, they pull their hair out and they're like clumps of hair and they start screaming and pulling the rest of the hair out. That's a legit fear of mine. Yeah. So that was the last information on that listing, and then it sold to another person. Um, their name was Jason Haxton, and they lived in Kirksville, Missouri, which I have no idea where it is, but it's in Missouri, so it's only a state away from me. Missouri. Missouri. So this is where uh, Jason Haxton took ownership of the cabinet in Kirksville, Missouri. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's worked in like different universities and stuff as like an artifacts and and, like, yeah, artifacts and archaeological digs and stuff Mm. kind of thing. Okay. And like preserving artifacts and historical items and all that. And he's taught um, college classes. He's also been involved in, like, public schools and stuff, doing that kind of thing. And one of his students was a roommate of the person who owned this box or cabinet or whatever. And was like, hey, like, you know, I heard about or this is what's going on with my old roommate with this cabinet. It's an artifact. It was a lady who survived the holocausts and all this stuff. And he was like, okay, yeah, you know, I'll take a look at it. So he pulls up the eBay listing and starts bidding on it, buys it for $280. Wow. And he takes it on. And this was in 2004. So it's passed. This is now the third owner in three years. Right. Two and a half. Two and a half, yeah. And um, he's, you know, worked with American Antiques. He's ancient artifacts. And he's also worked with the Smithsonian Smithsonian exhibits. (laughs) (laughs) Smithsonian exhibits. 
Smithsonian exhibits. <laughs> You're going to keep that in, aren't you? I totally am. Oh, so, um, I'm a paleontologist. <laughs> Smithsonian exhibits. That's really hard to say. Um, so shortly after we purchase- were on a break. Pivot, pivot, pivot. Okay. So, um, shortly after he purchased the wine cabinet, Jason began the website dibicbox.com, which is where I got actually a lot of my information. Hmm. Um, it compiled all of the legends that had shrouded the item. Um, shortly after the website gained traction, so within like a year of him taking over the cabinet and setting up the website, he got contacted by a Hollywood film production company. Wow. And he ended up selling the rights to the information regarding the Dybbuk box to this Hollywood film production company. And um, the movie, this is a side note, but the movie that was subsequently like um, released in regards to this was called The Possession, which was released in 2012 by Sam Raimi, I think. Who was in it? Uh, I'm going to look it up. You keep talking. Okay. So it's called The Possession. Um, and it, it's like, it's, I don't know how closely based it is to it because, you know me, I'm not a horror film person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew that you would know who Sam Raimi is. Sam Raimi did Evil Dead, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, hello, are you kidding me, Sam Raimi? What? Okay. The, you said The Possession? <laughs> yeah. Now I'm interested. I don't want to keep talking until I know. Ooh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is in it. He's a hottie. Ooh, he's in uh, P.S. I Love You. Yes, he is. Ew, Kira Sedgwick is in it, though. I hate her. She looked like a bird. She does look like a bird. And she's married to Kevin Bacon. And you know how I feel about Kevin Bacon. Oh, you said Kira Sedgwick, not somebody else. Never mind. I, I hate Kevin Bacon. I thought you meant Kira Knightley, not Kira Sedgwick. No, I love Kira Knightley. She's I was like, beautiful. why do you think? I have not seen the. the, (laughs) I don't think I've seen this. I think Billy might have seen it and told me about it. Okay. But I don't think I've seen it. You would have been together because 2012. Sure, but there are a lot of movies that he went to see without me or that I couldn't go to. So. Right. Yeah. I think that's probably one of them. So that was a side note, but it released in 2012. Um, Actually, in 2011, Jason released a book called The Dybbuk Box, which detailed his personal accounts with the box. Throughout the book, he described some strange illnesses that he had, like, experienced, Mm -hmm. um, which he said was, like, coughing up blood. Um, He was covered in head to toe with, like, welts and hives. Mm-mm. and just had a really hard time sleeping. So he decided to get help from a couple different groups of people that you wouldn't normally think of. Scientists, paranormalists, Wiccans, and Kabbalists. They all make sense, though. Exactly. But you'd never think to get them together for anything except for something like this. Yeah? That, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a, uh, an unusual group to put together, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So he did this to bring more understanding to the box, and he believed that the entity that was within the cabinet wasn't anything sinister, that it was more neutral, but it feeded off of whoever, or fed off of whoever, like, had 
the cabinet. Mm -hmm. So if they were like going through some rough patches and they started themselves like feeling depressed, then this entity would feed off of that and make it worse. Type right, thing. right. So um, later he, uh, for a while, he kept the cabinet in an Akasha wood arc lined box um, that was lined, or I'm sorry, it was a, an Akasha wood box lined <laughs> with 24 karat gold. What? Yeah. Why? I don't know. He, is it Akasha had, or is it Acacia? Akasha. Acacia. 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 I, I overthought it. Akasha. Akasha is the fucking queen of the damned. Yes. Yeah, so then it's this is Acacia. Then. Acacia. So, so it's an Acacia wood arc lined yeah. with 24 karat gold. Okay. And he had it displayed in his den. But then he, he said that. After a couple of years, he ended up getting a military-grade shockproof case. I mean, I don't blame him. Buried it on his 26 acres of property. <laughs> buried it. I don't blame him at all. So then um, that was in... He had it buried for five years. So yeah, that was like 2011 when he released the book. He buried it. And then in 2016, he he brought the Dybbuk box and the original owner, Kevin Manis, to Deadly Possessions with Zach Bagans of Ghost Adventures fame. I don't remember and this. I've watched all of it and I don't remember that. It's the first episode with Robert the Doll. That's probably why I don't Oh. Yeah. Yeah. See, Robert the Doll took over that episode. Exactly. So right. it... It was the guy who was at that, like, thing where Zach freaked out or someone freaked out. Someone freaked out. I don't know if it was Zach. And then Dybbuk Box. And it was Jason Haxton, who was the current owner at the time. And then Kevin Manis, who was the original owner who acquired it in 2001. And Zach interviewed both of them separately. It was on your last day here that we were watching that episode of Ghost Adventures when they were, when they kept, like, I'm, I'm gonna open the box and then they wouldn't and then they're like i'm gonna open it and then they wouldn't and then i'm gonna yes, open that it was ghost adventures lives in 2018 and i put yes. that in in here and then i was like no i don't i don't remember exactly when that was so i'm not going to talk about it but yeah you were there with me so you know exactly that because yeah, yeah, yeah. i was watching it even after you left in your uber you left me to go back to omaha i was still watching that episode for like two more hours it was such a long fucking episode and i was like oh my god just fucking open it and we are still <laughs> full circle <gasps> full recently circle. The last month this is all making a full circle <laughs> crazy of course they didn't open it because no sane fucking person is gonna open the fucking dybbuk box give me a break so during deadly possessions they interviewed jason haxton um and he said that he had like started when the first day that he got the cabinet he started feeling like pains in his stomach and started vomiting he said that it was like an ectoplasmic crud is what he called it Jason Haxton, the current owner at this time, at the time of this episode of Deadly Possessions. I don't know what ectoplasmic crud looks like. When I think of ectoplasm, I think of I think Slimer of, from Ghostbusters. Yeah. And I think of Ecto Cooler, which is delicious. It is delicious. That is my favorite high C. So Jason says that he starts puking up high C. Mm-hmm. And then the next morning, he said that he woke up with blood in his eyes and hives covering his body. This was the day after. So 
The morning that he woke up was the day after he acquired the Dybbuk box. Like, he actually, like, got it. Blood in his eyes? Yeah, that's what he said. And hives covering him from head to foot. Nope. So then Zach, in this episode, Zach begins interviewing Kevin, who was the original owner, and he asks him how he feels about Jason Haxton burying the box underground. And he goes like, well, I mean, like, I have no problem with it because you got to look at all the deaths surrounding the box. Mm-hmm. And Zach was like, what do you mean the death surrounding the box? And he was like, well, did Jason tell you about the guy that they found dead in his basement hunched over the cabinet? What? And Zach was like, no, they didn't. He didn't tell me that. That was not a part of that conversation that we had. So, yeah. So Jason didn't tell him this. And Kevin did. So then um, he asks Kevin to go into an isolation chamber in the basement with the Dybbuk box. As well as another item that is owned, or that was supposedly made by the, uh, by Havela's family. And they lock him down in this chamber, and he puts the, oh, that was, I broke a rubber band. Um, he put the other item on top of the Dybbuk box and opened both of them. And this other contraption looked like another, like, maybe like a sewing box or something that had, like, roots at the bottom, and then it opened at the top like a lid. And so he put that on top of the Dybbuk box and opened both of them. And then Kevin started talking in this like really weird, like poemy, like poetic voice, old timey. Like it changed his dialect, his like speech pattern, his like voice, his voice level. Like Mm -hmm. it went from like a tenor to a bass voice. And he kind of had like, like an East Atlantic accent that was like super popular in the like 30s and 40s east atlantic Mm -hmm. so it kind of had like that kind of accent going on i've been watching boardwalk empire i know what you're talking about um he was reciting like a poem or like a speech or something in this different voice and after a little while they're like okay this is like really creepy stuff that he's saying so they're like okay let's go stop him so they actually grabbed the greeter of the museum i was like hey can you go downstairs and this is like old guy Mm -hmm. like 80 something like i would picture his name being like gerald or something <laughs> i don't remember what name they called him old man river this, like, old man river he had this top hat and like this like three-piece suit yeah he actually wore so, a top hat <laughs> yeah he did it was so cute it was super adorable so they're like gerald or clarence or whatever his name was they're like go downstairs I'm gonna and Zach was like, I'm gonna come down with you, but I'm not gonna go into the room. But I want you to go into the room and watch him. Mm-hmm. So they had started hearing um, Kevin make this like whispery slash like whistly voice, like a Mm-mm. type voice noise thing. And so they have the greeter like walking around the room, like checking stuff out. And Zach's on the other side of the door at the bottom of the stairs of this room in the basement, and um. They call the greeter back, and then they're like, hey, Kevin, are you doing okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. And they're like, you know, did you hear any voices or anything? And he's like, yeah, no, I didn't hear anything. Like, completely oblivious to the fact that he just, like, gave this whole speech and everything. So um, he came out of the room, and Zach and Aaron both noticed that, like, he was super twitchy. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, he was obviously, like, invoking something or someone to, like, show their power. And then after that point, Zach takes him to some synagogue in Las Vegas to talk to a priest. And this is where I was at the beginning of the story. So, um, not a priest, a rabbi. A rabbi. I was going to say. To synagogue <laughs> to talk to a rabbi 
and about the Divic Vax. And, you know, the information that he had heard about the Divic Vax is what we've all heard mm-hmm. is that it was, you know, it's got a bad entity in it. It's possessed. It can, you know, fuck shit up, whatever. And he starts talking about, like, you know, I've come to the realization that if you start feeling effects from it, it's your soul that needs to get right type thing. Saying, like, if you're having effects by it, it's your own fault, is oh, wow. what I gathered. I don't know if that's what he was exactly <laughs> saying, but I kind of zoned out a little bit. I was a right. little tired. Uh, but that's what I picked up from it. And then Kevin starts, like, coughing. Gets this, like, catch in his throat and this, like, tickle in his throat and just starts coughing and coughing. Can't clear it. Whatever. That happened to me not that long ago mm-hmm. tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the Divic Box. And they're standing, like, in the temple with the Divic Box, like, ten feet from him. What do you have to atone for, stuff? Oh, God, what don't I have to atone for? <laughs> you know half me. You know all me. Dude, you're like an angel compared to me. Shut up. <laughs> There's things I've done that you have not. Ditto. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he told him to the synagogue, whatever. And then shortly after the Deadly Possessions episode was like filmed... Um, somehow Zach acquired the Divic box from mm-hmm. Jason Haxton and wanted to put it into his the haunted museum. He probably paid Zach. good money for that thing too. I would hope. I would hope that Jason got some good money for that because mm-hmm. he'd. So Jason Haxton's actually like a director of an osteopathic museum in Kirksville, Missouri. Mm, okay. So I would assume that Jason would be somebody who would like put that money back into his museum type yeah. thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So. Um, Somehow Zach came to acquire this Dybbuk box slash wine cabinet and sometime, and that was between 2016 and 2018. I just want someone to own it and put actual wine in it. <laughs> that's why they're, that's why the entity's pissed is because there's no wine in it. That's exactly. what they want. They're fucking thirsty, okay? Like, it's a wine cabinet for a reason, guys. <laughs> Manischewitz, something. <sighs> God, just thirsty, bro. So, um, shortly after Zach acquired the Divic box, he invites Post Malone <laughs> to come take a look <laughs> and encourages him to touch Water Malone. And- Water Malone instead. <laughs> he encourages him to touch and or open the Divic box. And yeah. I, I wasn't 100% clear on if he just touched it or if he opened it. I but- think he just touched it because I don't think, as far as ghost adventures go, that anyone has opened it. Because they made such a huge deal on that episode about opening but, the Divic box, and they didn't do it. And that Kevin, was after Post Malone. Kevin opened it during Deadly Possessions in 2016. He opened the Divic box plus whatever little thing was on top. What? He opened them both. Like, it's on video, like, where he opens up the door and the rest of it opens. Yeah. Then why did they make such a big fucking shit about it? That's why I didn't end up putting that in here, because they made such a big fucking stink about it, but they opened it two years before. Wow. Anyway. Oh, also a fun fact about that is um, the day that they were supposedly recording the Deadly Possessions episode was the day of Kevin Manis' mom's birthday. So October 28th. Of course it was. Mm-hmm. Right. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, so Post Malone touched the box or opened it or did something with it. He was in the same room. He looked at it funny. Whatever. (laughs) He noticed some bad luck a little bit after that. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had a plane's tire blow out while they were on the runway. Mm -hmm. 
Um, he also crashed his, or he crashed it, or somebody crashed his Rolls Royce. Yeah, yeah. And then his house had gotten broken into as well. Yep, I heard about all that. Yeah, so that that surrounds it in 2018. That was that was the last I had heard about it until I watched the quarantine episodes. So on April 27th of 2020, Zach, um, Zach Bagans, Aaron Goodwin, Billy Tolley, and Jay Wasley, all of Bing. Ghost Adventures, Billy, um, of Ghost Adventures, all decided to do a quarantine episode. They start doing like a couple different like investigations. The time before the Dybbuk box was the, what did they do? Oh, the Devil's Rocking Chair. Mm, okay. So they investigated the Devil's Rocking Chair. And then after that, they did the Dybbuk box. And during the beginning part of the investigation, they watch a video of one of the guides of the museum who had been over by the Dybbuk box. And this is not a normal item that they have, like, for viewing in the museum. You actually have to sign a waiver. Really? To go see it. Yeah. Hmm, that's what okay. it. That's what I read. You have to have a, a waiver to see it. And so there was a um, guide that was giving a tour around that area. I'm assuming these people had all signed waivers and she saw an ent- like a, a shadow figure in like the back corner of the room and it like came out of the room and like did like an about face and like went the other direction. And then they watch and she's like, I'm not usually someone who gets rattled by something like that, but I'm like super emotional and like cry- she's like shaky voice, like kind of tears in her eyes, but she's not crying, but she is emotional. Um, so then they have an interview with a girl who was with this tour guide who witnessed the same thing and she's like freaking out she's like shaking and crying and like she's like i'm standing there i see this like shadow figure and then it comes out and like comes like right in my face and like whispers in my ear and she's like and it won't leave me alone won't quit looking at me like just freaking out Mm -mm. so then they're like well yeah obviously we need to like Look into this shit. <laughs> and they're all sitting six feet apart from each other, all wearing masks outside, watching the videos of this and everything. Does Zach have his huge, like, gas mask on? No, they're doing the N95s with the replaceable okay. um, vents and whatever. That douchebag. <laughs> his painter's mask. <laughs> no, he doesn't have that on this time. They all have their quarantine masks on. So during the quarantine special, they actually video chat with Kevin Manis, again, the original owner, and he gives some more information behind the box. He claims that Havella, who was the original owner, um, and a few others had encountered a very dark entity when they were in Spain before they traveled to the United States. And they decided that they needed to contain it. But this evil was responsible for everything that bad that had happened in 2020 up until that, or 2020. <laughs> the 20th century. Up until that point, World War One, the stock market crash, the Holocaust, and World War Two, they said that this entity was all responsible for. Really? So they decided that they needed to contain it, and they performed a ritual to bind the Dybbuk into its housing. So you're right, the hairs, the rosebud, the statue. It was a spell. It was a containment spell. It was all part spell. of the ritual. Yeah. So then... Um, Manus then states that this entity was split into 10 separate boxes. Horses? Right? And it aligns with the Tree of Life concept in Kabbalah. Hmm. And so there's 10 branches of this Tree of Life. And Zach apparently has the top branch. 
course he does. As well as the bottom branch, which is the Dybbuk box that Kevin Manis opened during Deadly Possessions with the roots on the bottom. That's considered the bottom of this Dybbuk box tree. Mm-hmm. So Kevin Manis has, he said that he's come across eight of them, two of which Zach own, which are the original Dybbuk box and this root of evil one. And then he has six others in his possession. Kevin Manis does. And there's two more that are unaccounted for. And Havella right. had banished this entity into 10 separate pieces. They trapped him into 10, 10 separate containers and sent him to like opposite ends of the earth. Wait, so... That's what he's saying in this quarantine episode. There are 10 Dybbuk boxes? That's what Kevin Manis is saying, the original owner. And Zach has two of them. Those. They did not mention, now I will say... They did not mention in the Deadly Possessions episode that this was another Dybbuk box or that Kevin Manis had owned this box. They just said that it was another item that was handmade by Havela's family. But in the quarantine episode of Ghost Adventures, they did mention or they did state that this was another Dybbuk box and that Kevin Manis had given it to Zach. So Zach's they're just being Zach and making shit better, like sound cooler than it actually is. Mm-hmm. Or it's like a Horcrux. Yeah, it's a Horcrux. So they got 10 boxes. Two of them are unaccounted for. Eight of them are accounted for. Kevin Mana states that his one of his biggest fears is that all 10 of them will be brought together and opened at the same time. That would be a bad idea, okay? What if somebody did that? So then um, throughout the episode, Zach receives some compelling evidence. Mm-hmm. First, they map a figure. Um, when they first open the Dybbuk box, they map a figure figure using the Connect SLS camera, which uses like a grid of like dots to like map out somebody that's in the room. And if there's like an entity in there, it will map out like a stick figure type thing. It's really kind of creepy. I love that. That's like I know, my I favorite. Do too. It's so creepy. So they open this box and this sls shows up there and it's like right in front of them and he's kind of like moving around awkwardly and like moves to the back where then zach sees like an entity he sees a shadow or something back there and that's where it's mapping so there's that and then the shortly after that they notice a temperature change in the box itself um it's risen six degrees wow so it started at 85 degrees and went up to 91 degrees dang and they turn off like all air conditioning and stuff in the museum and all that for this because they don't want any like any um I don't know what it's called interference. I guess yeah, interference. That yeah, that would be. I kept thinking saturation. It's not saturation. So yeah, interference is a good word. Um, they don't want any interference from like air conditioning units or anything. So the fact that it is like ninety one degrees is not too far off, but the fact that it rose six degrees in like two hours is a little weird. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, they also claim to hear a kid's voice, but they are in a haunted museum with a bunch of haunted artifacts. <laughs> and it also sounded like a cat, not a kid. Oh, well. I'm just saying. It sounded like, meow. Oh, yeah, that's a cat. I know cats. People. <laughs> um, you can't trick me with cats. <laughs> and then while Zach is introduced to the Dybbuk box the entire time, he's act- not introduced, but they're like interacting with it. He becomes, like, super weird. So before the investigation even starts, they have they do their pre-investigation stuff where they're just, like, getting control readings and all that. Mm-hmm. And Aaron's getting electromagnetic, 
electromagnetic fields readings. So EMF readings. Right. And he's just getting them from around the box and he gets a spike. And Zach's like, hey, come film the spike. So Billy comes over and then Zach like angrily yells at him and pushes him away. And Billy's like, dude, you just told me to come shoot. And like Zach like looks at him, like glares at him and like shoves him out and like slams the door. And Billy's like, didn't he just tell me to come in and record that? And I'm assuming it's Jay. I was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I heard it too. So that's the first thing. And then uh, Zach is a dick. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, so, he's not possessed. He's just a douchebag, <laughs> right? So then, during the investigation, he decides that he wants to pick up and carry the Dybbuk box throughout the museum, mm-hmm. and he goes to outside the room that Billy's investigating in. And Billy turns to him and he's like, you know, I don't want anything to do with that thing. I mean, no disrespect. I 100% like respect that artifact. I want nothing to do with it. Please get it away from me. Dang. So Zach does the most Zach thing he can do and puts it in the doorway of the room that Billy's in. Of course. And just goes, deal with it. He's such a dick. Right? So then Billy's like, I told you, dude, I don't want anything to do with this. I didn't want to get close to it. Like, there was a whole reason why I wasn't getting close to it. And, like, around this time, Aaron's in a different room. And he's passed out. Like, he legitimately passed out. (laughs) And nobody noticed. Until Zach tries getting his attention and saying something. And notices that, like, Aaron might be laying there. And he's like, Aaron? Aaron? (laughs) So he, like, crawls over to him, makes sure he's okay, like, sits him up. And, like, Aaron sits up and he's like, I smell burning wood. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay. All right, Aaron. (laughs) You probably just had a stroke. You should probably go to the hospital. (laughs) So then, um... (laughs) So then Billy starts going off. He's like... I don't want to be doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. And Zach's like, what do you mean? And he's like, you know how this is going to go down. We're going to investigate this possessed item. We're going to go home. And like two days, three days, shit's going to hit the fan. Yeah. And Zach's like, you just spoke that into existence. If anything happens, it's your fault. Keep an eye. In two days time, something bad's going to happen. Well, in three days time, Billy's dog ended up passing <gasps> away. No. Yeah. No way. So Zach called him out for that and was like, you wished for that, blah, blah, blah. Like, before before he lost his dog, it was just in the heat of the moment when Zach overheard Billy say, like, oh, in two days' time, something bad's going to happen. And Zach's like, you wished for that. You keep an eye out for two days' time. Like, this I is hope your fault. Something Zach happened. in the fucking face. Right? So then they made that, like, little disclaimer at the end. And I was like, I had to watch it today to finish up the rest of my notes. And I was like, hmm. That makes me so mad. Anyway, so then um, after this exchange between Billy and Zach, uh, Zach carries the cabinet away from them and is like going to a different part of the museum and ends up in the same room as Ed Keen's cal- uh, cauldron. Mm, oh, okay. It's covered in a giant plexiglass cube. And he sets the cabinet on top of this plexiglass cube and starts like drumming on it super annoyingly. And like acting all like da 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 da, like smacking his hand, drumming rhythmically, whatever. Super douchey. Mm-hmm. 
And Billy's like, what's going on? He's like, and then Bill or Zach comes overhead. For those of you wondering what's wrong with me, I don't know. There's <laughs> <laughs> something like that. I don't know. But that's the Divic Box. Like, that's the last thing that I've heard about the Divic Box. Was Ed Gein's cauldron made Zach drum. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. Are we going to take the rest of the shot? Yeah, let's do it. Cheers. Cheers. Tastes like Christmas. <sighs> Tastes like my mom's house. Okay, speaking of my mom, she has to put up with my dad. Yes. And we're going to get a dad joke going. Dad joke. So, so what, is, what does dad have for dad jokes this week? One, even though it's the first one that I saw and picked out. But it's hilarious. <laughs> Sven and Oleg both lost their jobs when the clothing manufacturer they worked at closed. At the unemployment office, Sven was asked what position he held at the factory. He replied, yeah, well, I sew women's underpants. He was told to go to the next line to claim his unemployment check. Oleg was asked the same question, to which he replied, diesel fitter. He too was told to go to the next line to get his unemployment check. After Sven and Oleg collected their checks they compared them outside oleg's check was twice as much which made sven furious he demanded to know why he's or he stormed back inside and asked to talk to a manager he demanded to know why his check was half of what oleg's was and the manager told him well you were a tailor your friend oleg was a specialty in uh, engine repair Sven's air was boiling over. He loudly told them, what do you mean? I sew the underpants and put them in a pile. Oleg holds them up and says, yeah, diesel fitter. <laughs> what does that have to do with engines? <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Thanks, Vaughn. <laughs> it's a bad joke. Such a bad joke. Such a dad joke. Such a dad joke. And it brought dad a smile joke. to my face during like a really shitty week. Mm-hmm. That was good. So I really appreciate it. But well, right, I, I need to eat food before I go to bed so I don't at least like wake up still drunk. Yeah, I'm not going to eat anything, but I am going to finish this drink and smoke a cigarette and then I'm going to crash out. Okay. So, yeah. I had fun. Good episode. So, I love you. Fucked up episode. I love you too. Okay, hope nobody gets possessed or haunted or bad so dreams. Don't don't buy the Dybbuk box uh, yeah, if, no. if you see it on eBay. Apparently, there's like a <laughs> bunch of like super fake ones out there too. So I'm just, sure. Like, just don't buy, don't those buy any Dybbuk box. Don't buy those either. Don't buy any Dybbuk box on eBay and don't eat people is the... the the moral of the story <laughs> the today. The moral of the story. Exactly. And with that, we're going to say goodbye until next time. Goodbye. Two weeks. Goodbye.